What is up, my little day knows? Vebs is here, bringing you guys a second epi- episode of the Hot Potatoes podcast, which I'm not going to be doing alone. And this is going to be the first episode, which is going to be going to my side of the channel. The first episode went to my co-host, Automatic, and his YouTube channel will be down below in the description, including the link for the first episode of the podcast. If you have not heard of it, uh, Prior to this one, I definitely recommend you to go check that one out uh, later on whenever you have the time. And today uh, we have a topic uh, topic regards to different kind of draft tier systems. And we are going to be breaking down the good and bad things about them and our experience through all of them. And if you are new to the podcast in itself and you're listening this through my YouTube channel, uh, this podcast will be posted on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcast, and we got a pretty uh, good uh, feedback from it uh, regards to listening and view-wise. We, I think, got 64 in total uh, combined from those, and it's a very encouraging for both of us that you all were very interested to listen to it, and we got a very positive impact from the listeners. But like I said, I'm not alone here. Uh, Automatic, you can introduce yourself and we get things going. Yes, what's going on guys? Automatic here. For those of you that don't know and this is the first time for you watching this podcast, which uh, let's quickly get it out of the way, I'm Automatic. I think I've met Vapsis around uh, three years ago right now, three, three and a half years, something like that. Um, I've been playing a lot of competitive together and uh, separately as well. And indeed, the first episode was on my channel and also on our shared Anchor and Spotify and whatnot. Links, of course, always in the description. Uh, we broke down actually the whole transition from uh, draft leaks in Ores to draft leaks in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, which was a huge topic on its own and uh, almost resulted in like almost two hours of podcast, which uh, was a challenge, but we're definitely good to see the feedback you guys gave that you guys enjoyed it so if you have missed that be sure to check that out if it's in your interest uh definitely encourage you to check out in parts of course which is what most people did i think um but regardless we're going to jump into another subject here with the uh indeed as Fabs has explained um the most popular draft systems and kind of give you guys more intel in um where they're from how they function what's like the pros and cons can be for you using them, um, as I think we might differ on some opinions here, but we'll see that uh, that later. So we're going to basically break down um, three of the most used forms right now, which in our, at least, is how we see them. Uh, the other ones aren't really worth mentioning, according to us. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the tier draft, the point draft, and the free draft, and we will be ending this podcast with um, a new draft system which we call the hybrid system which um me and Vaps is what two of the main people developing and we'll kind of give you guys some more intel on that um as kind of a conclusion from the others uh those will be the only systems we're going to mention um quick mention we want to get out of the way is we have purposely chosen to not talk about uh ucl style draft or smoke on draft or however you want to call it um, as both of us feel like it's not really relevant anymore with the UCL being dead and the system being, to put it kindly, uh, a little bit unusable in the current generation. I think I put it kindly that way. Yeah, it's 
It's definitely in Generation 7, I will feel like the smoke on tears are very uh, not viable to use because they are even more out of the place uh, for traffic perspective uh, than they were in Generation 6, at least in our eyes and in our experience when we did do uh, use your type of traps in Generation 6 and compare to them to this generation. So we left them out of them mainly because of that, because we didn't feel like they were really valid topic to really break down, because we don't really believe it's a proper trap system to be used in Generation 7. But the first uh, trap system that we are going to be going through, kind of how it functions, uh, how it was uh, made in the first place and who introduced uh, to us to it, and that is the tier system trap, which was introduced by GBA. It was season four, I believe, when it was first implemented. And a few people who I remember that were big uh, influence uh, for coming up with the system were Pokemon, uh, Mega Mogwile, and A Drive, I believe. Those three together kind of came up together with the tier system trap, where you list regular mons into five different tiers. And then they have their own separate prices. And then you have the mega evolutions as well in the different prices in itself. And then they combined uh, when you draft a roster for yourself, you have to have 11 mods in total, including one mega evolution, uh, which will be the mega evolution slot. And then you have three picks, four in total with 400 points given to that. And then the mega evolution can add points to it and that's kind of like the standard and the most well-known system that they implemented it and introduced us back then and it's been for good reasonings i think a system that most people have been most accustomed to to utilize at the start of their careers because it's one of the easiest way to really get involved in draft league format while having a some sort of structure to it and uh, therefore giving a very balanced draft league format, at least at the beginning to start off with before you get more experienced and you're more aware of uh, how good things are and then you can start customizing them. And uh, basically that's uh, main attraction or main thing about the tier system traffic itself as an introduction. And uh, like I said about the rosters in itself, uh, compared to some other draft league systems, it, always has a hard number uh, for each draft to have, usually say 11. And uh, therefore, in at least on generation six compared to generation seven, uh, in tier system draft, uh, the mons which tiers they have been listed to, they have become a little bit of stale where they have been listed to. And nowadays, at least myself personally, I feel like Sometimes mons can be overpriced or even underpriced as well. So uh, back then in Generation 6, uh, some of the merits that we have had and believing where mons below back then, they can be kind of updated back uh, on the Generation 7. So that's something that usually I notice about the tier system trap itself and one of the bad things about them and something that be customized to and are having to fix to whenever you're using it and uh, pretty much there's also another thing when it comes to smoke on itself but that's probably something that we want to touch on uh, 
at very late of the tier system, Travi, so how that comes into play. But is there anything automatic you want to kind of feel on that, or what we should be mentioning still about the tier system draft and how it actually functions? I think you've mentioned a, a good part of it. Um, I think it's definitely safe to underline the fact that this is the most used uh, form of draft and for a good reason and not the reason that it is the best system uh, in my opinion but that is a solid system which as you mentioned is easy to get into easy to understand um, some other good things about it is that there are lots of good references these days um, if you're willing to invest a little bit of time there should be no reason that you're ending up with bad tiers now of course um, there are a lot of players that will always, like, tiers will never be perfect, we all know that. Everyone has their own opinion, and this one should be here, and this one should be there, according to multiple people, but um, there, there's a difference in an opinion difference between two people, and between something being just off. Like, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, no, we're not, I'm not, I'm not gonna shame people for, for decisions I've seen, but um, there are just things that are off, and if you're willing to invest a solid amount of time looking at what other leagues are doing as there are a lot of leagues using this format um, it should be pretty easy to get the big mistakes out which is definitely a, a plus on this side um, equal size Ross as you mentioned as well um, and people can sometimes feel like it's restrictive here what we have in the tier system but I think it actually helps out new people as well who aren't maybe come from Smogon and don't really know um, what's good in the draft league, what's viable in draft leagues, because it's just a completely different meta. And it can help them seeing, okay, these mons are ranked tier 1 for a reason, that means they're probably among the best Pokemon, and the system guarantees that you get at least one of them in that way. So it does help new players as well, getting to use Pokemon at least, and keep the teams a little bit around the same value. Um, but I think the main issue, which uh, you already mentioned, the other main issue, I think there are two here with the tier system. Uh, the first one, as you said, being the um, overpricing, which still happens nowadays, because so many people use tiers, and we're used to a certain mindset of Pokemon X should be in, Pokemon, should be in tier Y. And we're going to make a whole podcast on more in-depth about that specific subject because you can talk a lot about them uh, a lot about pokemon that are commonly um overpriced or underpriced in our opinions and that might be a little bit more truthful to our uh, podcast title being all potatoes because this the, the first two ones were a little bit more factual uh once that one comes around that will definitely have some more hot takes i feel like uh but that that's the first issue and the second issue which um i think you will underline as well is uh, the price gaps make it really hard for more experienced players. And because uh, for the people that don't know, um, indeed, like we said, 403 points for free picks, uh, tier 1 costing 180, and tier 2, 120. And there is immediately the, the biggest gap of them all, being 60 points between them, which is a huge gap, and a gap a lot of months tend to fall in. Uh, we also got a gap between. Uh, tier 3 and tier 4 being a gap from 100 to 60, which is 40 points, which in practice comes out also to be clutch. Uh, the other ones are a little bit closer to each other, but mainly the, the gap between tier 1 and tier 2 and the gap between tier 3 and tier 4 
yeah. make it sometimes harsh for this system yeah. to remain efficient for experienced players. But I think maybe you can capitalize a bit on that. Yeah, like the one thing what I also noticed where like when you mentioned them, uh, as you were talking about it, is also that it just happens to be that the tier one and tier three I feel like are the most critical. Like to me, they have shown to be either one of the criticals or one of the most talked about tiers to move mons uh, on tier three's cases, like both ways, either moving uh, up or down. And especially moving down, it's very hard to do that because there's going to be a 40 point uh, drop off if you move them down to tier four. And in a tier one itself to tier two, there's already like a 60 point gap to it, which is very hard uh, then to justify certain mons to moving down because there's such a big um, gap between them. And to me, that really doesn't feel as justified for certain mons. And that starts to cause a lot of headache, at least for myself and yours as well, when we have been done several times uh, tier systems for your own league or maybe being part of other leagues and uh, having these discussions about moving mods up and down and usually that those price tags kind of make it hard for making them uh, uh, be able to do those decisions too well and the other thing was about the uh, which you mentioned earlier about the having the references available uh, for this uh, it's a double edged sword yeah it's a double-edged sword, but I do like the fact that how it functions for the uh, beginners in a sense that unlike some other tier system, especially the one which we are going to be uh, touching on next, uh, tier system draft at least have several examples which you can find easily and have accessible for yourself if you want to be starting a your only, because obviously GBA is one of the most well-known league that is out there and it's the original league which have been using this system for so long so you can easily take the references from there if you're not really too much aware of yourself how to make these uh, tiers for yourself and same thing goes for any other leagues that you go and find for yourself it's usually something that people are most accustomed to and when you're in introducing people to be taking part of the league a majority of the people are more willing to do that because they are more self-aware how that system works for themselves compared to introducing some other draft system which they may not be as much aware of and that can also be something that they might incline not to be doing because it's so new to them other other people might be thinking that hey uh, we might as well give it a try but i know for our experience when especially when I have tried to encourage uh, some of the people that we know, uh, both of ourselves in this community. I know back a couple of years ago, a year ago, it was very hard to try to introduce a new completely draft system for them to at least consider for a draft league than a tier system because they have been so accustomed and felt like that why change something that they are happy with and sometimes they get comfortable with it and feel like it's okay for themselves and they don't want to think of it too much and change something as uh, drastically for themselves and when it comes to the small gun thingy uh, regards to as well um, 
when it kind of reflects on these tiers and if you happen to be a smoke on player or a that who plays on ladder way more often than you have been playing on draft league uh this does help you when you have a tier system for yourself you kind of get the idea like automatic said that which mods are as good as they are in draft league format in a bigger picture than the other ones are compared to them but it also causes some issues for some people to really uh I guess justify certain mods to be in a different price because they are in higher tiers on smoke or like for example Ferrothorn or Castrodon or whatever happens to me happens to be at the time on OU maybe they have a harder time to accept that they are tier 2 slash tier 3 or Castrodon case most of the time it's tier 4 and uh, those kind of things kind of cause people some uh, headache at first to think that why is it like that when obviously in a standard play they can function a lot better but that just happens to show uh, the difference between draft league format uh, to the standard play where in a standard play the the smoke on tiers they basically go by what's uh, their current meta and what mods are very over centralizing over there and which mods really flourish to counter them and to deal with them. And Gascardon's case, for example, it probably is that since Askren inside Tabu Koko, for example, are so prevalent there, it gives it a lot more value and therefore moving up. Whereas in draft league format, you don't have to deal with them necessarily every single week and almost every single match, so which therefore makes Gascardon's value less uh, high in that sense, because you're always facing different teams every single week and a different kind of mods and that's where the draft league format picture comes into play and shows the value that you have to have in mods in that uh, mindset in uh, when you're drafting them and uh, thinking about which tiers they're going to be putting at so those are kind of the things that when it comes to tier ships in draft that are the positive things of it and uh, what kind of challenges it might cause as a beginner and as an experienced player as you go along. Maybe as a big beginner, it's more about understanding the draft league system and uh, how value the mods. And as an experienced player, the tier system trap might be uh, showing its limits to you once you have a lot better understanding and the experience of it. And when you start to try to customize it even better for yourself. But that's really all, all I need to really say about it. Yeah, because I... Th- I think it also makes kind of the transition to points, um, which is probably the um, the thing I still want to capitalize on a bit the um, the gap in prices. And I think indeed the one between tier three and fours is is an issue. But I think the one um, which mainly some like the, the actual point draft fans will dislike the the gap between uh, tier one and tier 2 by far the most and i will give three quick examples of um how like either way this can go and not going into too much in that but these are real situations which um you will underline all three happening in, in discussions between us and other people about tiers and um i will use an example for one pokemon which was considered moving down from tier 1 to tier 2 which took a long time um, one going up from tier 2 to tier 1, which in the end did not even happen, uh, and a new introduced Pokemon, just how 
difficult that can be. And the first example being, um, in my eyes, Starmie, um, which from Auras was always in tier 1, and basically going into Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, we saw that being more common to drop into tier 2, but it that transition went really, really slow, because Starmie was still a f good offensive Pokemon, it was still a viable Rapid Spinner, even though we had better Defog users uh, going into Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. I think going into Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon gave it the final push, um, even though I not totally agree with that reason, but it just took a very long time before people were putting Starmie into tier 2 with more confidence than they, they did in the past. And mainly because of the price gap. If the price gap wasn't as severe, it wouldn't have took too much time. Um, the example of one going up, which um, I'm gonna take the example of Salamence, which Salamence has always been tier 2 in, um, in Auras. And as soon as C-Move started to pop up in Sun and Moon, there were more people trying to make a case for tier 1 settlements, which I think in the end it, it may have happened in a few leagues, but the majority still has it in tier 2. And for that reason that the price gap is just so big, buffing that one up from, 180, from 120 to 180 was just too much to justify it, especially considering the, the dragons we have in tier 1, um, and also settlements only being really maybe getting closer to their level if it's a Z-Captain, which it's not always going to be. Uh, but regardless of the whole Salamence discussion, that's one of the things that took a longer time than needed, That where if there was an in-between type of thing, it would have been easier to justify the price. And the last example, which I'm going to give as a new one introduced, which is basically, uh, we'll go back to that when we're going to talk about the hybrid system, which... I think we can kind of name this Pokemon as the one which um, made myself and Vapsa think, like, okay, there's a serious issue with this format and we need to come up with something else which um, still our coaches will like and still has the benefits of the tier draft but also fixes this huge issue and um, that Pokemon was uh, Zeraora and... I was, um, I think Vaps was a huge believer of tier 1 Zero Aura, I think mainly because of the speed. Um, and from the start I was a huge fan of um, of tier 2 Zero Aura, because I really felt like it didn't come close to uh, to Chapu Coco, Thundies and Zapdos. So that's kind of the argument we were in, but... After, like, I think, like, a half an hour or 45 minutes, we're just like, yeah, it's kind of, like, we both agree that the tier we're arguing for isn't the right tier, but, in our opinions, is the least bad tier, to put it in. And systems shouldn't always be like that. And, of course, this is fine if you're a more casual league, but once you start to be more competitive, uh, this price gap is something that people are going to try to capitalize on and try to get better drafts in that sense. We'll more explain it in, in the hybrid system. Uh, I think this is kind of the perfect introduction to to point drafts um, going from here because I think that's the whole reason that people started to lose points. It was the uh, it, it was created after the um, the, the tier draft uh, probably introduced by the PPL if we're incorrect there and feel free to correct us that's how we think. Uh, it's most known these days from the MPL and the Hive, uh, who still use it, and 
for those who don't know what the format is, it's just for the tier, we're going to break it down real quick, not too long. Um, basically, you have these prize categories going from one point all the way to 18 or 19, depending on the league. Yeah, or even 20. It could be even a higher number in some cases. Some, yeah, 20, but that's really rare. Um, and yeah. basically what happens is you get a certain budget and people just say, hey, go ahead and pick. As long as in your budget and as long as you pick a minimum amount of X and a max amount of Y Pokemon, you're all good to go. Um, and that already introduces another thing in that the point draft having um, not, not forcing equal size rosters which uh, I think you can make a better case on, on that as to what the real issue is as you have more experience with the, the point draft than I have yeah so mainly the well it, it's usually an issue that I feel like it, what I have been coming across with is a very heavy topic every single time there's a point system draft putting in a place as the system that is going to be used in a league and usually coaches try to um try to come up with a solution which they feel like in their own perspective is the most logical one because the bigger thing with point system trap because they don't have a hard number for each roster what amount of months you have to trap for yourself or tiers or anything like that and it's uh, meant to be more flexible the issue and the challenge what they usually will have is that okay is eight months uh, high enough for a lowest amount of months that you can trap with the amount of points that we are given to each coach to draft and for example like 120 points may might be one of the higher numbers that usually leagues allow for each team to use as a point uh, uh, salary to draft the uh, months for their sales for the team so the biggest um uh, challenges uh, when it comes to that are usually that minimum no number I feel like has to be high enough and usually I have seen it being somewhere around 9 and personally I believe even 10 would be even okay because that kind of takes away the worry of even giving too much points uh, like for example having 120 points if you have high enough number for the minimum amount of months that you draft, it kind of takes away the worry of having very top-heavy drafts potentials from certain teams. And that's usually the reasoning why people think about it and bring it up, because usually that uh, some teams or some coaches may worry about that teams are able to draft a very disgusting uh, first four or five picks as a core, and then it doesn't even matter like how, how they end up the trap because those five to combine can be so overwhelming to prepare for on one battle in itself. So in that sense, that's kind of like one of the biggest um, challenges for it, uh, for this system uh, uh, as it's been a developed. And it's a pretty much a, always a, a topic for every single time they start up a point draft and put it together. Yes, and this is also, of course, a format as which uh, we probably should have said earlier, but um, this is less for casual players. The point draft is more used by competitive players who know the meta, who know the format, um, yeah. and, and want more flexibility. Because, of course, a trade-off, as you pictured it with the minimum amount of points and the minimum amount of Pokemon 
picks or the, the maximum amount of points and minimum Pokemon picks is that there is a certain trade-off. Like, do I want a bigger roster with, on average, better Pokemon or do I want a smaller roster but a lot more threats uh, than my opponent? And that's hard to keep that fair, but uh, mostly it's managed to, to do that. The main advantage, if we talk the system itself before actual drafting, is that each Pokemon has its own value. So you solve the issue we discussed in the tier draft. It's where you have to do with those price gaps. Those are gone. Um, that is definitely one of the things it fixes. Um, but in the end, the, the, the worry what people have is also one of the things is... And this is kind of a double-edged sword as well, I guess, since there are people that don't agree on this for a good reason. Um, some people will say that the point draft is better to encourage to use lower tier mods. Um, some people say that's a tier format. And the discussion going back and forth between them is that the point draft, of course, uh, divides the Pokemon more than the tier draft. So in tier 5 being the lowest in draft league, there is, a, there is a huge amount of mods. But the difference between the best and the worst in the tier is also really big. As to where in the point draft, the one tier mods are all worse than the two, the two points and the three points and the four points and like that. Like picking the four lowest points. Um, so some people say the, the tier drafts, at least because there are a lot of mods in there, will give you the option to for your last pick or for your worst quote unquote worst Pokemon to pick something that's either still really good, like a Chopmon in tier five, or pick something that's maybe a bit worse but still fits your team. Uh, the other ones will say that um, the point draft forces people to draft certain mods which they otherwise would never draft. Um, that's kind of the discussion, and the the thing is more that it's definitely true that the point draft um, does make it so that people draft Pokemon they otherwise wouldn't. For example, um, you've drafted Munchlax, uh, and Cutie Fly also drafted Cutie Fly um, yep. in one point, and we would have never done that in Tier 5, because there are better Tier 5s. But on the other hand, um, those kind of mods and... I think we both use Munchlax and Cutie Fly one time, uh, so those are not the best examples in that case. But I've definitely seen others where the one point mon is just being a quote unquote bad mon, like it's just there for oh I need to fill the requirements. Uh, I'm gonna pick the one mean point mon and I'll spend the rest of my points into my other um, picks so I get the mandatory amount of Pokemon and I don't and I can spend a little bit more points on the others. That's kind of the 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 thing that's happening that you end up yes it, the mon got drafted but it's kind of a dead slot anyways if that makes sense yeah it's it's usually that one point mon it's a very situational mon obviously because it's valued as a one point mon it just happened for my case when I picked the monsters I knew uh, at the time of the draft I saw someone drafting something like a Volcarona or a Salazzo or a special attacking fire type that I didn't have any kind of answer to. So Monslax just happened to be from a one-point category A. Surprisingly, good answer for, for those things. And you can find those kind of values in one-point mon, and it may show up one or maybe even two games. If you get more than one game out of that mon, then it's a very very well-spent point. But the like you said, most of the time, when you see those being picked, it's usually taken as a laughter and a joke uh, thingy. 
uh, that oh he picked this one he's totally picking uh, bringing this one into a game and it kind of serves as a some sort of like a chill leader for the team and as a placeholder more than uh, as actual team member and active member for the battle itself so it's kind of like one of those things that, that some people find it okay uh, and they don't find uh, problems with it because uh, in their eyes they think about it like oh well it's one less more for me to really seriously having to prepare for and then there's the other side of the coin that uh, from drafting perspective you can find it problematic that you play around uh, the rule of having minimum amount of mods in your draft and really using those points uh, elsewhere and making your draft a little bit quote-unquote broken uh, with those um, points you are able to spend on higher priced mods. Uh, like for example, if you are uh, mandatory to pick nine mods, you pick eight really good mods, and then there's a one point mod which everyone knows that is not going to be used, and you essentially used it to have a very strong eight mod uh, draft in itself. So th that's kind of like the yin and yang about the point system draft in that uh, aspect, at least what I have noticed and what I have heard that uh, usually comes as a subject that do they like to use this system or not. Yes, and one thing I want to capitalize on is because we definitely don't want to downgrade the tier or like either format. Because um, I feel like we have been discussing some of the negatives about the points. Uh, but do keep in mind that this is something that fixes the, the biggest issue, or actually the two biggest issues of the tier draft. So it definitely has its purpose and its use. Uh, but I still have to bring up one negative about the point draft, but I hope that you guys are still able to see on its own the value of the points, and it definitely fixes some of the things that tiers lack. Um, one other issue in my eyes, and this is also something that maybe not everyone agrees on, uh, but is that the, tier, uh, the point system doesn't reward you for drafting a lower tier mega. Because um, in the point draft, the megas are usually mixed between the tiers so for example your low penny is 80 points as 18 points as well um just as to where for example in a tier draft you would be just getting it for free like plus zero or even some drafts right now like to make it minus 20 or minus 40 like a little price but it's, it doesn't really does too much because it has a dedicated spot for your mega which is different than a point draft so for example drafting lower tier megas as like mega camera opt, uh, Mega Audino, Mega Glalie, Mega Steelix. I think those are the, the more popular lower tier Megas to sometimes draft. Um, in a tier format, you would get a solid amount of bonus points for them, so you can spend them on another, po another Pokemon. And in the point draft, uh, that of course, the trade-off is you pay a lesser amount of points. But it doesn't reward you in any way. And having a Mega is not always mandatory in the point draft, I get that. But it still feels fine if 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 it's mandatory that you get some sort of reward out of out of it for like picking in lower tier because the whole point of using them. Yeah, I like what I could just making an example. For example, uh, if you pick a mega camera up those similar mega, uh, the usually it's eighty points that you're freeing up for yourself to spend on. And for example. Uh, tier four, uh, tier five one is uh, forty points. 
And with those extra 80 points, you're basically upgrading that to a tier 2 mod. So it really changes the dynamic uh, for your draft in a tier system draft. And with that me uh, mega rule, how you can use it. And there, like you said, it doesn't really show in similar ways at all. Like a point system draft don't, ha don't have anything implemented in that uh, creates that dynamic that uh, teams can add points to them. Because... That's kind of like where they have one hard rule which they implemented and which they stick on, which is the points that you have been given. That's all you're going to be having and it's going to be going lower and lower when you're spending and you cannot really free up more to it. Whereas in a tier system draft, you can play around that and add more points to it that you're at first given. But then you have these other hard rules uh, which is the hard number for a draft and having these mandatory picks from each tier and the mega evolution slot and point system doesn't really have that at all besides that you have to have certain amount of uh, minimum amount of months and certain amount of maximum amount but you can decide that yourself with how you spend your points regards to that so that's kind of like main difference in that sense that uh, these uh, draft systems have and for those that who really like the idea that uh, you can pick a lower tier mega and you can get rewarded by it point system draft isn't really for you in that sense besides that you're just drafting the mega evolution like you would be picking any other mon in a little bit of lower price where they belong yes and um i think those are the main things uh still if you manage your budget well if you and with that i mean if you're able to come up with a fair price uh, in in general that you're gonna pay at max and good minimum and maximum picks then this format definitely does work and does um, freeze up months to be priced more fairly than the tier format and also um, reduces the price gaps which kind of go hand in hand I guess but it's definitely what they fix and I think we've touched on pretty much everything for for the points and how you should look at it and that makes us go into um the, the final well-known format i would say in that sense uh which is going to be the free draft which uh we have n no clue where it i mean of course first gba seasons were just like this but discarding that as soon as people started to use tears this thing got kind of snowed under and it's not really clear what happened with it in between there but there was a certain point in time where it uh, became a hype again and that was at the start of sun and moon so not ultra sun and ultra moon but actual just the first generation seven games when uh, the gba set and this is probably your best reason by the way to do a free draft because uh, also one thing to be sure uh, both tiers and points are almost refined with uh, free draft is definitely something we're not fine with so we're gonna kind of maybe butcher that one a little bit here uh, but 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 valid reasons. So we'll explain why we feel like this is uh, out of the three the worst format to play. But um, it got that hype when the GBA started doing it for uh, the reason of a new generation. So they didn't want to price new Pokemon which they haven't seen in action yet, which is a valid argument. So I would say that that is like uh, one of the reasons why you could use the free draft. Uh, because you only have to argue, of course, in general, there's also a plus, I guess, about this system is that there are a lot less arguments. In a tier draft, you'll have a certain amount of arguments. In a point draft, even more, because 
even the system itself, like the budget, is a discussion point. Uh, but also, it allows more discussion as to where, um, in a tier draft, you have, is this Pokemon tier 1 or tier 2? In a point draft, you have, like, is this Pokemon uh, 18, 17, or 16 points? Like, that makes the dynamics a bit different. But you all take it out. The only discussion you have to worry about in the free draft is, is this allowed or not? And that's kind of the only thing. You agree on a set amount of Pokemon each one will draft from the allowed Pokemon, and you're just good to go. Um... But then, uh, the issues we have, and I'll start off with the, the first one, and uh, this is something that I've been saying a long time, and finally, once Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon started, I think around that time, a little before that, people start agreeing, which I've been arguing this for a year at that point, um, the free draft heavily is in favor of experienced players. And at first, people were denying that, saying that, oh, it's no restrictions, so people can pick whatever they want, whatever they like. But here's the thing. New players don't know what's good. New players don't know what they like. They just pick that mon because it looks cool, or whatever, or it's good on smoke on, which is still a terrible argument. So, it doesn't really help them at all. It's just in general of experienced players, you're giving them the option to draft a team as busted as possible and kind of just drafting the best mon available without having to think about synergy is a no drawback play in a free draft just trying to become as big as a threat as possible and just go from there and i personally feel like that's not um that's not what the format should be about that that should not be how you win matches or a league there should be more strategy and it should be more thinking going into your draft than what's the best mon available at the time yeah, because that, that's the thing with free draft. Like, I see the merits, what you mentioned before, that I do like the idea of having it in the beginning of each gen, potentially to be used, at least as a, not the most serious league, but giving you a starting point to really realize that what these new tools that we got from from this generation, either in new mons or... Um, new moves that, that got introduced, uh, move tutors or anything like that. Like free draft uh, provides a good asset for draft league to utilize as a draft system to be more aware of the things that now we got introduced in. But when it comes to having as a draft system for regular basics, it doesn't really serve as a great purpose for itself, especially if the league in itself has a very big gap or big mix of players with their skill levels. And like you said, it really favors those that have a lot better awareness, not just in competitive mode, but especially in a draft league format in itself. Because again, if you are more of a standard player and a small gun player, you may just pick mods that are Basically, OU, which still would be good mods for uh, picking if you almost get all of them OU, but you may uh, overlook the things on certain mods that are placed in OU that, that they aren't as impactful in draft league format than in a counter style of play. So in that sense, those players who are more self-aware that what things are really thriving in a draft league format, what kind of cause you want to focus on, what kind of... Um, other things you need to focus on regards to hazard control or anything like that. Like experienced players know how to take advantage of that. And especially if they know 
how you should have a mentality in a free system trap, which is basically going hyper offense or bulky offense. And every single round when you're doing the draft, you basically focus on drafting the most powerful or best mono available every single round. And therefore, you're building a over-centralizing draft for your opponent to really e even have a chance to prepare for properly. And then it kind of takes away the idea that draft league format is supposed to be because that just makes it more of a luck factor that did you actually prepare for the right things that your opponent is going to bring. And if you didn't prepare for every single other thing that are going to be coming and they are still very powerful mods, you're going to be completely uh, just destroyed on a matchup in itself and there's not really too much you can even do about it because in in that kind of a environment you're basically um putting yourself in a position that you're very vulnerable for losing to getting overwhelmed by opponent's draft that is just like like if you have a 11 11 months that are every single one of them demand a higher amount of respect it's going to be very hard for even an experienced coach to uh, prepare for everything as uh, as properly as possible. So, in that sense, I see the biggest flaw to in itself, and uh, mainly it's just the fact that like you try to go into the fact that what is one of my favorite things about draft league format besides team building and playing in itself is the fact that you have to have a good idea how to draft a team in a draft league format, how to build like. Drafting itself is kind of like you're building together and filling in a toolbox for yourself to go into each season, which you're doing. You're picking certain mods that you want to use in early rounds and building around with, and then you start picking pieces around them that are essential in general, or they also fit into your core that you are building with. And uh, in a free draft, it kind of becomes a lot too easy in my eyes to be able to accomplish that. Uh, what you have to do and that's kind of like which is kind of like a turnoff for myself because I really enjoy the fact that you can in a tier system draft you can even find these lower tier mods which you can fit into your draft plan and then you can make them shine when in a standard play you may not see them functioning as successfully in a regular basic so in a point system draft it's the same thing so that's kind of like the downside to the free draft that's once the newest generation or the current generation has moved along and we have a better idea how the mods function, I don't feel like it really does uh, serve as a good purpose for draft league to utilize in this kind of draft system, unless you just happen to enjoy that kind of environment. But if you happen to do, I would recommend to have as equal competition as possible for the league so everyone can enjoy it because... To me, it would be. I would not like to be a coach in a free system draft that would be very inexperienced because I feel like that would be very detrimental way to get introduced to the format. And it can be a turn off for someone new uh, to having to prepare for in that kind of environment. Mm -hmm. And besides, uh, it's obviously being in favor of experienced coach, I think we capitalize enough on that now is that. Um... It also benefits certain playstyles as to where the tier draft and the point draft kinda if they are done well, they allow each playstyle to be as effective as possible. Like if, if you draft well in 
Like if, if you're a stall player, you can get a good stall team. If you're a hyper-offense player, you can get a good hyper-offense. If you're a offensive balance, defensive balance, balance, bulky offense, I think I've mentioned almost every style right now, but it, no matter your style, you can get a good draft in a tier or a point system that's done right. In a free draft, that is not the case. And there are two, um, there are two draft styles that heavily... Uh, that, that, that are actually way better in the free draft than in uh, than other styles. And those are hyper-offense and bulky-offense. Um, I'm not sure if you've actually been in a free draft before, but the one time I was, uh, like the semi-finals were all hyper-offense and bulky-offense. Those were the only teams left. And for a good reason, and that also comes back to what we said, is that hyper-offense is, of course, just... If you're free to pick as many good offensive monsters as possible, and you can pick as many monsters which usually would be a very high price or high tier, you could just slam them all on one team. An hyper offensive player just has the day of his life, like it's Christmas for him. Um, and at first, people even thought Stall was going to be very good, but that was just debunked pretty easily as it just turned out, in fact, to not be too effective in a free draft as people were. Drafting Threatener teams, like every team had more stall breakers and wall breakers because of the format. So stall didn't really value there. Of course, bulky offense in general is already a good play style, but in in a draft like this, where again it's unlimited what you can do, um, it's so easy to get a very good bulky offensive team with all the stall breakers and also with enough offense to beat hyper offense, a few walls to to wall the hyper offensive things and just go from there. So those those two playstyles are heavily in favor um, in a format like this. Yeah. Like, for me, like, I never I never really got a chance to play a full season or taken a chance to do so, because I always had a very... I've been always kind of hesitant to be taken a part of the league, because I find it not something that I feel too much uh, um, interest on. The only thing that I would ever have an interest on a free draft is if it again happens to be on early of the generation that we would be part of like earliest and I would not be yet too aware of the new mods that we got but besides that I have no interest of doing them. The only better examples that I have seen or which are somewhere close to free drafting were when I watched uh, Mega Mogwise uh, first uh, season in GBA in the main league, which was GBA season three, which didn't ever finish uh, due to the things that happened uh, in uh, uh, between the courses, etc., which I'm not gonna go into. But when they prior to the time when they got the tier system draft in place and they came up with it, they basically had a free tra free draft um, style for themselves, and then Steve. Uh, the magnitude had his own thing with contracts with Moss in itself. But when Mega Mogwai took part of the league, it happened to be that he had to draft a team, but he couldn't really draft equally as strong Moss that the other courses, which were part of already a longer time, uh, part of the league in itself. And that kind of it reminds me of example that if. Uh, a brand new coach who 
would be getting into part of a draft league would be taking a free draft with the experienced players. I feel like it would be a similar case, even though I knew Miguel was really good player already at that time and he knew perfectly well which mods would be really good, but he ended up having a very weak draft to the other uh, compared to the other courses. And when I watched his team builders and how he prepared or his battle in itself, like he had like basically couple of tier one mods uh, from nowadays and then all tier fives and other people basically had like a UU, OU or Uber mixed teams and he had to somehow find a way to prepare for all of the things and in that kind of environment it just doesn't seem like it's really well uh, it's not really well balanced in that sense and it's like one of the biggest issues for me that it Whenever you see having to prepare for those kind of uh, teams, it doesn't seem as appealing to me, and it doesn't. It doesn't uh, for me. It just doesn't seem like it's that's the thing what really motivates me to do draft league. So that that kind of experience, like that's the really the best example. So what I have had about the free trap since I haven't taken part of it, but before we came up with the point system and uh, tier system. That was basically the um, traffic uh, format prior to that time. And looking back on those and uh, looking back on those videos, I'm pretty glad that the uh, prior draft systems have been uh, come into place. And we don't have we don't have to utilize that kind of system like a free draft or a contra draft where you have no structure to really to the uh, power creep uh, for each draft to have. Yes, and I think we have talked enough at this point about the free draft and why both of us don't like it, and it's really our cup of tea, but um, to finish off with the hybrid draft, which uh, is something that we are two of the main people finding this thing, at least as far as I'm aware, um, and our main objective was um, to try and create a system where it took the benefits of both the tier draft and the point draft and would take out all the negatives about uh, the both formats as well. And I think we did a pretty good job about that. Of course, some things are debatable because, again, yeah. some people like to play around with different uh, different size rosters and a trade-off of um, less months but better months. That's I know that. That's one of the things we took out, but I guess nothing's perfect. Um, the initial idea, because also one of the things that was important to us is that it should be easy for new coaches to understand, it should be hard to abuse, um, and it should be a f fair and balanced way of drafting mods. That's basically where we're coming from. Yeah, because we, because basically we had to take in a sense that Bodo was like automatic uh, for his own main league that he first is. Uh, uh, started off with he wanted to have a tier console and uh, for my idea we decided to have five team uh, or five people console in itself where we decide on tiers for the uh, upcoming season and where to select the mods and whenever we have the suspect test it's always been a big issue to be able to price mods properly and that kind of goes back to the example automatic used with the Sarah Aura earlier and that was the basically the example that kicked off this whole yeah that, that's what that's the point where we both said like okay we should come with something else because this ain't yeah. working 
Yeah, so it kind of like it, the whole idea for the IPL hybrid system is that it helped our work and uh, helped us to be able to agree with each other a lot easier, not having these big caps between the tiers. But at the same time, like Automatic said, we had to make it in order that people who are fans of the tier system trap, which was the original system that we used, uh, can still understand it quite well and they still can have the good things which they mostly like about the tier system compared to the point system drafts. Because mm -hmm. basically what the system is about, and of course it's still developing, uh, it started off in the IPL, I uh, showcased an IPL Open in the first time, we're going to reuse it in the second one, uh, the UBL, which is um, the uh, Wi-Fi League I am part of and where I'm a moderator, is going to use it as well, which the draft stream will be on pretty soon. Uh, so it's expanding, but to give you guys an idea, we kept the fixed roster size because it's we still considered it being an issue of price versus minimal, like budget versus minimal Pokemon picks. We kind of want to get that out, and of course, with that out, you get the trade-off out. That's I think the only thing we actually sacrificed at this point. Um, and may maybe a disagree will come to back that later, but that's the only thing we sacrificed. Uh, so we have a fixed number of 11, which everyone has to draft. And with that, we have said that those have to be 10 regular Pokemon and one Mega Pokemon. So with that system, we can keep if uh, we can keep the whole bonus points for lower tier Megas in there. So we still allow that to be a thing. Um, then we have for the regular Pokemon price categories going from uh, 200 all the way to 20 making jumps of 20 points each. So the prices are very similar to the tier format. So you got your uh, 180 with 200 above, that's for like the actual top Pokemon, uh, 160, 140, 120, 100, and all the way back to 20. So the prices are a lot similar and you actually introduce the middle tiers which you were missing in the tier format. Uh, just kind of go there. Then we had um, a few mega tiers here, I think there were Five or six, I haven't counted yet. We have minus 20, which is for the best Mega Pokemon. Uh, plus zero, which indeed just doesn't change anything. You can just grab it. Uh, plus 20, plus 40, plus 60, and um, plus 40, plus 60, and plus 80. Those are kind of the things we're going with. and just allows people to, again, play with your budget. Um, now, one of the main... And, of course, the, the draft just goes snake-wise. There's a draft order. You can pick whenever, as long as in your budget, and it's a fixed amount of points. A uh, fixed amount of slots and to indeed 10 regular one mega Pokemon. Uh, that's kind of the whole takeaway and allows to price months better. Uh, one of the main critics which um, we got from mainly outsiders is that they were putting, like, they, they got their own drafts which they used in the past and they liked, and they tried putting it into the system which we had and it wouldn't fit as we chose for a 1000 point um, price. and it's a value. It's it's a defensible price. As uh, if you look at standard GBA, you take your mandatory tier one, mandatory tier two, two tier threes, your mandatory tier four, your mandatory tier five, and you add four hundred points for your free picks, which in total is ten months as well. That is one thousand points. So the comparison is just like mirrored in that sense. You can still get the best out of it, but because we have more freedom to price months, um, some of the things that you did draft, for example, which you draft in your tier 2, can now be 160 or 140 points, or your tier 1 can be 200 points. So it's a little bit more expensive in that sense. And I only think that is showing that the system works, 
because the system shouldn't be about, and I think you can capitalize a little bit more on this, but the system shouldn't be about drafting the best mana in each tier available. The system should um, should give coaches the best chance if they draft the best synergy. And that's how I believe the draft yeah. format should be played. Yeah, because the thing is, like, uh, several times in uh, tier system drafters, once you get more experience with it, you have a really good idea that what are the quote-unquote steals and underpriced mods in each tier. And the best examples for my eyes are usually in tier, tier, uh, tier 3, for example, or potentially in tier 2, uh, which always have a certain amount of mods that always perform in a high level and clearly are always the best ones to go for. And if you get them, you're better off than the other people who didn't get that mod. Uh, with the similar price that you get and the the idea with having a hybrid system draft it kind of deters to be able to have that kind of advantage if you're lucky enough to be able to select these certain mods that are clearly the best from its tier and therefore it creates this environment that like you said that which both of us agree that is benefit uh, beneficial for draft league format and drafting wise that you get rewarded by being a really good uh, drafter by finding the synergy within the team instead of being fortunate and taking advantage of the courses around you and always be able to find these best ones available from tier 2 tier 3 or tier 4 or whatever it happens to be or even a tier 1 when there's a clear gap between certain tier one picks compared to the others so having these different kind of prices uh from tier uh from all tier one which is 180 we all both of us realize that certain amount of mods are clearly better than the others so they become uh, 200 and then we agreed also okay some of the old tier ones clearly were a little bit uh, less impactful than the other ones which would be still 180 and they move down into 160 and that's basically the same thing when we go lower and lower and lower on these old prices where the mods were at that we were able to push those mods that were clearly always performing better a little bit uh, up their price and it doesn't become a problem like it used to be in a old system or we can move them down a little bit and therefore it gives uh for making the tiers a lot easier who happens to be selecting them and it kind of shows in drafting itself once you start using this system that if you happen to take examples uh, from your own traps which you felt like were your best uh tier system traps you ever done uh, in prior for example in auras or during this generation and if you happen to try to make those broken traps in a tier system format using our hybrid system you notice that, oh, I cannot actually afford this. And that's where you realize that, okay, this is the kind of idea that we had behind it and kind of the biggest reasoning of doing it because the strong trust, for example, which I have had in the past, a lot of people realize that, yeah, I took advantage with my knowledge about certain mods being clearly better than the others. And if I would have to... Uh, try to redo that draft with the now with the IPL hybrid system draft I could not actually afford them and uh, I would go over the limit with points even though I technically am given the same amount of points that in a tier system draft you would be having if you break them down 
completely uh, from the mandatory picks that you have and you turn them into points and adding to your 400 free points. So that's kind of like the main attractions for us to make it. And one of the biggest upsides that we were able to accomplish with it, besides being uh, easier to get accustomed to and understand how it works compared to a point system draft, uh, that for people have been more experienced of using tier system draft, for example. Yes, and uh, one of the examples which I think kind of underlines what we're doing is, um, we'll go over more examples later, but uh, just to give you an idea, this is something I'm making up right now, but um, if, for example, uh, in a tier 4 match, you should always be able to pick two tier 1s and a tier 2 uh, if you combine your mandatory picks with your free picks. Um, if you are able to get like from your two tier 1s being like Chapu Coco, and uh, Kieran Black, for example, which are two of the best models in the format. Mm. If you were to get those for your team, and then from tier two, let's grab one of the best models in there as well, like for example, a Suicune or something. Um, you pay yeah. the same price as for someone who were to pick, uh, I mean, what were two bottom tier one models? Uh, Tapu Fini, um, uh, Tapu Bulu, and from tier two, a bottom one could, for example, be like Mandibus. So you would pay yeah. the same price for. Bulu Fini Mandibus, as you would pay for yeah. uh, Tapu Coco Kieran Black for Corona. And yeah. in that sense, I think it's fair you pay for the other months a bit more, as they are better. So in that sense, it kind of fixes that, and that might be the reason why not every old draft will fit into the new format, but we just think that's totally fair. Um, in that sense, and also one other thing we should probably a bit explain is the minus 20 mega tier, which uh, we also felt like, for example, certain megas, uh, which we all know, and basically those are Lopini, Diancy, and Galate, um, are still a very bit better, like a solid amount better than the other Pokemon, which used to be a mega tier 1, like for example, with your mega Pinsir, or your mega Scissor, or your Venusaur, or whatever, Charizard X, yeah. like... Uh, even stuff as Mega Medicham also being there, like those are not on the same level as Lopini, Gallet, and Diancy, and always felt as steals to me in those tier. So with the minus twenty for just like the, the top, the elite, you you fix that. And indeed, if you draft one of these, you need to draft good synergy around them to get most out of it. Which, again, uh, we want a system that rewarded people for drafting good synergy, not for trying to draft busted mons. And I think we. We succeeded, and also to give a few more, um, few more examples of, for example, your own uh, UBL D League draft, which in alphabetic order had Bronson, Cofagrigus, Mega Gallade, Gramble, Greninja, Kieran Black, Lander T, uh, Alola Muck, Rotom Heat, Seismitoto, and Whimsicott. Uh, that roster would lack 140 points in this system for the reason that yeah. you take one of the best megas in Mega Gallade, you take two top five mods, a Kieran Black and Lander T, you take one of the best Pokemon out of each tier, uh, and that kind of makes it so that uh, you lose all the points there and you didn't made up for it. Um, yeah. So that's kind of a good example, but then still uh, so another example which uh, is kind of fitting in that as well, is that it's still you're still able to get multiple good mods. So for example, your first IPL open draft, you were still able to get both Celestia and Landers Tyrion. But you had to draft more creative around them, and every pick you made 
um, in that draft had to be beneficial for the core because you spent 400 of your 1000 points on two Pokemon and you still got yeah. other mons around it like a Celebi, like a, a Greninja, a Heracross, um, what else did you have? Uh, Gramble again, Gudra, like it's yeah. still a tentacruel. I had pretty much like three mons which were 40 points like Gramble, Licky Licky, Miss Magius. Then I have a Mega Camera that's my Mega which freed me up like 80 points back. So I kind of had to compromise by for example, at first, let's say, be honest, I was very lucky because I was a wheel pick and I was able to snatch myself two of the top five mons, which should not happen, but all of a sudden it just happened to me and I took advantage of it. But because the system was in place, while I was very fortunate, which still can always happen in a draft depending on in the environment you're in, uh, for myself as an experienced coach, I had to still play around with my points, figure out that, okay, I got these two I'll take advantage of them by having them, but how do I make my points work that I still have a good synergy around them and really let these two high tier mods that I was able to uh, secure for myself thriving in that environment and support them properly weaknesses wise and have uh, mods that can fulfill the roles that I would put them potentially into and allow them being as versatile as possible uh, as possible with Lander, Sterian, and Celestia were able to do. And on that IPO open draft, uh, where I had the Mega Camerot, Celebi, Gudra, Cramble, Greninja, Heracross, Licky Licky, Miss Magus, and Tentacruel, I was pretty happy like how they uh, worked around uh, the Celestia and Lander, Sterian in itself. But it wasn't too much broken a draft because outside of those two picks, arguably my best or next best mon was Greninja. And after that, it becomes somewhat a mediocre what mons were available to me, but they were very decent what they did. And most importantly, they synergized really well around each other and especially around my first two picks. So in that, in that sense, the system still worked even in an in environment where I was very fortunate with my higher tier picks that I was able to select. Yes, because I think it, it of course forces you to draft different, but if you draft two top five Pokemon, I think it's justified that you have some problems later on or needs to be a little bit more creative and really rethink every point you spend. Like, is this going to benefit my my synergy or not? And not just being able to grab best mons around and just go from there. And I think that draft kind of shows it. And uh, to talk another draft, which you had in your last IPL season... Uh, I think it underlies the synergy even more, as you were still able to get Tapu Koko uh, and Mega Gallade, which are, again, uh, Mega Gallade is one of the best Mega Pokemon, Tapu Koko is one of the best regular Pokemon, so you still had two very good Pokemon. And then the other drafts around with Hydreigon, Nidoking, Superior, Embor, Bronzong, Palosvet, Quillfish, Diancie, and Kecleon, um, those are still mods, and especially... The part which I said, like Coco, Gallade, Hydreigon, Nidoking, Superior, um, and probably was also Ember and Bronzong into like, like mainly those, and maybe with Diancie a little bit there, and then like Quillfish, Polisant, and Cacleon being more situational uh, mons, and not really into the course, but the synergy between them is still good, even though you have multiple higher tier mons and still fit in price wise. 
Yeah, because on that, on that for uh, an example, I had a very strong offensive call, which I used my higher ticks, uh, higher uh, points on, or most points on, which were the Coco Galade and etc. And then I basically had a lot of mods, which were like 60 points or 40 points, which were the Polosan, Quelfish, Diancy, and Kecleon. And uh, for them, I had to always kind of be like, okay, well, I have these things. They have to play more of a supportive and defensive role because I didn't really invest on having strong defensive core. I focused and emphasized having a strong offensive synergy. So that still left me vulnerable in one area because I centralized my strength in other areas in itself. But that's that still keeps the draft in one way or another a little bit more balanced than it would have been in a tier system trap because on a tier system draft I probably would have had a lot easier time to even have an even better defensive core behind that strong offense that I was able to secure in and that would have been a lot bigger problem for my opponents and it would have been a lot easier time for myself prepare for because I remember with that draft uh, when I used it I definitely enjoyed my offense but defensively I had to be more creative and really find the value from my very low tier mons to do that role what I needed them for. Mm -hmm. And I think to to kind of wrap up, because we're getting a little bit repetitive with the examples as well, but one more, which uh, I think is kind of the worst example we were able to find as to where just drafting the best mons every turn around is your best way to go. And uh, the one which we were able to find which went out most out of budget in our current system was uh, Mega Molite's GBA Season 4 draft. Uh, being Victini, Thunderous Incarnate, Megalopony, Hydreigon, Florges, Tentacruels, Chestnut, Dublade, Escavalier, Hippowden, and Stoutland. Um, keep in mind, of course, GBA Season 4 tiers weren't too optimal uh, back in the day, but... Yeah, they were literally the very first one. Yeah, this current team would lack 160 points, and for a good reason, because if you were to put these mods in, in the standard tier format right now, they would kind of all be their best in their tiers. Yeah, like for example, I remember, like this is like from, this was an example from someone who I highly respected back in the day, day and I still do, and who I learned a lot from, and he... At the time when this system was developed in, he had the knowledge to know that what mods are really good in their tiers and still find good defensive backbone and synergy within that area as well. And even though he said that it wasn't perfect, which on paper I can see why he didn't like it as being the perfect draft for himself, but it was very strong uh, draft in itself too, and it showed in a fact that it was minus 160 in a current system which we would be having and just the fact that he was able to select like Victini, Thunderous Incarnate, Megalopony and Hydreigon together those four months already together are very uh, threatening to having to prepare for and he still had a lot better defensive backbone to them for example compared to the my draft where I had the Bronzong, Balosan, Quelfish, Diancy and Keklion he still had things like Florges, Tentacruel, Chestnut, Duplate, Hippowdon, things like that to support his higher tier picks. And that just happens to show that in a tier system draft, you can work your round even if 
even if you go for higher tier offensive mods, because if you take the best mod available from each tier, you can still have very strong backbone for either side. And Miguel was able to uh, execute that already in TBA season four. And this is probably one of the most famous drafts uh, from uh, tier uh, draft league format in tiers in itself. And therefore, it's uh, one of the best examples for us to show that how the hybrid system is supposed to prevent this to happening because this uh, happens a lot more often than you would think uh, as a listener and you might be able to take an example of this which you have seen yourself in a tier system draft and realize that this is actual factual thing that uh, in a tier system draft uh, happens to be a flaw and something that we wanted to fix Yes, for sure. And the example you gave before is that uh, even in, in a situation where you're lucky enough to get two of the best mods in the format, as you have been multiple times, even in this system, the system still keeps it in check and still prevents you from uh, capitalizing too much of that and still needing the synergy and the strategy to come up with a good team. And I think that's the all-around best takeaway with it and that's also the reason why we believe that this system um, is a system where uh, it, it kind of fixes the flaws of either system and again like we said we are sacrificing the, um, the, the, the flexibility of changing up your, um, your amount of monster draft it's the only thing we gave up but I think we have gained so much from this and if you disagree with us that's fine but this is how we feel, um, what the kind of our philosophy is about how a draft should go and what should get yeah. rewarded and what definitely, most importantly, should not get rewarded yeah. in a draft. Like for, for myself, like for example, the only things that I will still fix or like tune in with itself is obviously the prices tier in the tiers because there is going to be still that, there's always going to be a different opinion on these uh, mods and you you can really change the system how points add up with where you're able to select the mods into and also something that i have brought to automatic in the past too about the hard number should it be 11 should it be 10 should it be 12 or whatever those are kind of the niche things about the system that may change further along but as the first uh, example and concept that we were able to come up with, which we are now using in the IPL, the UBL will be using it, and also the IPL Open. In itself, this system already, as as a base starter, seems to function or has better ways to, or better chance to function a lot better than a pure tier system or a pure point system, in our opinion. And uh, this is kind of like the reason is why we believe in that. Mm -hmm. So I think also with that, that is kind of our wrapper point here as we have touched on, uh, on pretty much everything. So if you guys enjoyed this, definitely be sure to, again, uh, give the positive feedback. Let us hear things we should change, topics we should talk about. Uh, if you're on YouTube, of course, comment section is there. If not, we have our socials. Uh, we're on Discord, we're on Twitter. You'll definitely be able to find us. And besides that, of course, the... Um, all the, all the other platforms where our podcast is at, because yeah. I don't even know how many there are at this point. Anchor is really uh, doing a good job with that. Yeah, and this is going to be a record from YouTube perspective. This episode happens to be on my channel, 
And as a reminder, what I mentioned on the beginning of this uh, podcast, the first episode went on the automatic channel. So if you haven't have not uh, heard it yet or seen it yet, uh, make sure to check it out down below in the description. And also the third episode will be also going to automatic channel, which will be uh, after this one. So it's going to be Simon Tell Simon Tenegrisky is going to be uploaded uh, to either side of the uh, all channels mm -hmm. respectively and hopefully we are going to be also having a playlist for this and then we have the also the other source of platforms if you're using this or, more, or listening uh, podcast from your mobile the other platforms are probably more uh, beneficial to you use them on a you're on your phone and YouTube happens to be. So you have uh, multiple ways to listen to this podcast right now and in the future as well, mm -hmm. which you definitely want to look into. So like Automatic said, this is probably going to be all we had to say about this subject, uh, subject what we had today. Hopefully you all enjoyed this. Leave um, any kind of topics uh, what um, which you want us to hear to touch on in the future because we definitely still have ideas for ourselves that we want to touch on the future but any kind of ideas that you happen to have and you want to ask uh, to us to touch on we definitely are willing to listen to them so leave them down below in the description and uh, hopefully you are in uh, enjoying this leave a like so it helps us uh, to uh, this video in itself it shows uh, that you enjoy this video share to anyone who you know that enjoy traffic format and enjoys the different topics that uh, traffic format can have because that's the main uh, thing that we want to go through and thank you all for listening and before we sign out do you have automatic anything else to say uh, no i think that pretty much wraps it up so again thank you guys for watching and we'll see you guys next time